0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. He was a carefree, teenaged hippie just passing through Saskatoon on January the 31st, 1969, the same day nursing assistant Gail Miller was raped and stabbed to death in a back alley. On the strength of sketchy forensics, and unreliable witnesses, David Milgard was convicted of the crime and sentenced to life in prison. Twenty years later, his case made national headlines as his mother Joyce confronted politicians in a bid to free her son from jail. By the time he was cleared in 1997, David Milgard had become one of the most famous examples of wrongful conviction in Canada. After 23 years in prison, the Supreme Court of Canada set aside his conviction. Five years later, he was cleared by DNA evidence and awarded $10 million. In that same year, Larry Fisher was found guilty of the rape and stabbing death of Gail Miller. Now, every one of us is thankful when the miracle of DNA testing intervenes and sets an innocent man free. And we rejoice when the same DNA testing puts a guilty man behind bars. Because what we really long for is that someone finally gets it right, that justice actually prevails, that someone finally clears up all the questions and puts together all the loose ends. What we really want, well, it's the truth. So here's the big question. Will there ever come a time when God will finally clear up all the questions about him? Is is God going to have his day in court so that all our doubts and all our questions, all of the questions that have been collected by the human race are finally answered? You know, I'm sure we could all go on the internet and post our favorite stories about how unfair the world is. But instead of telling you some of mine, let me tell you one that took place, well, a few hundred years ago. It was in the mid-1700s in the French city of Toulouse, a time when the established church enjoyed almost absolute control. In those days, if if you decided to join the ranks of Luther and Calvin, there were a few things you couldn't do. You couldn't be, for example, a lawyer or a physician. It was forbidden to operate a pharmacy, be a grocer, or have a bookstore, or to make a living as a printer. In fact, it was even against the law to have a Protestant servant if you were a member of the Catholic Church. Now, during that time, a Frenchman named Jean Calas suffered two misfortunes in a row. First of all, his daughter decided to leave the Catholic faith and become a Protestant. And as if that wasn't bad enough, his son, despondent over some business failures, Hanged himself. To make matters even worse, in that time when church and state were so intertwined, the city had a law stating that any person who committed suicide should be placed naked on a hurdle or sled, face down, and drawn thus through the streets, and then hanged on a gallows. Can you imagine the shame for this grieving father? It would would be almost too much to bear, so you can understand what happened next. Desperate to preserve the tiniest spark of family dignity, he began quietly begging his relatives and his close friends to help him with a cover-up. Please tell them, he said, please tell them my son died of natural causes. And so they did. Well, the problem was that the cure was worse than the disease. Rumors began to spread to the city that instead of a suicide, there had been a murder. Not only had his daughter apostatized to the Protestant religion, but his son had been considering it as well. So the father must have killed his own boy. Well, it didn't take long until the authorities came and arrested him. They threw him in prison, tortured him ruthlessly, and Jean Calais ended up dying in chains in the year 1761. His family, well, at least what was left of it, gathered up their possessions and fled to another town. There, well, they met a man whose name has become infamous, the brilliant, sensitive Voltaire. Now, at this point, Voltaire was not an atheist, but he already expressed a deep skepticism about the established church and its pompous, inquisitorial nature. Now, the story of Monsieur Callas was the last straw. It helped establish Voltaire's doubts. All his life, he believed that there was some guiding force or impersonal creative power out there somewhere. In his writings, he called it a great intelligence or a general providence. But the abuses in the church robbed him of his faith. And when priests blamed God for the Lisbon earthquake in 1755, well, That was just one more nail in the coffin. And really what Voltaire needed was an opportunity to sit down at a table across from God and ask some direct questions. God, why is it that you stand aside while people people suffer and die? Why don't you seem to answer our prayers? God, when the church commits atrocities in your name, why don't you do Something about it. All around the world, atheists and skeptics point to the pain we live with as proof there is no God. Wars, you know, earthquakes, you know, multiple hurricanes slamming into you know, Florida, Louisiana, and Mississippi. And even worse, into the shacks and the shanty towns of Haiti. And the non-believer says either a loving God sees all this and doesn't care or he's simply powerless to do anything. Either way, these tragedies prove that an omniscient, omnipotent God simply doesn't exist. Atheists have always wrestled with the age-old question of Genesis chapter 1 versus the theory of evolution. I mean, why does carbon dating seem to reveal a very old earth when the history described in the Bible is much shorter? Again, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could sit directly in front of God and ask Him? And Then there are the questions that come when finite religious students read the words found in an infinite document called the Bible. There are passages here that are obscure and things that don't seem to make sense. There are verses that are going to reconcile with the realities of the world around us. If God is love, well, why didn't he keep Osama bin Laden from killing all those people? Why didn't he heal your sister's cancer? And, and, and what, God, what good is that you have omnipotent power if you're not going to use it. I remember a line uh, back in the 1992 American presidential race when the challenger said, Mr. President, if you are not willing to use your presidential powers to help people, then step aside because I will. I wonder how many people have wanted to say that to God. In his wonderful book, The Bible, Jesus Read. It's a book written by Philip Yancey. He writes about the cosmic cries of God's Old Testament heroes. Psalms give examples, Yancey writes, of ordinary people struggling mightily to align what they believe about God with what they actually experience. He quotes from theologian Martin Marty who describes a good 50% of the book of Psalms as wintry, meaning they are full of hard, blunt questions directed at God, as in, what in the world are you doing up there? You know, King David almost calls down curses from heaven, wishing God would crack the jaws of all his enemies. But where is the promised help? Why the unfairness? Why do bad people prosper? In a candid moment, Yancey admits, that he learned from reading the Psalms the spiritual discipline of going for long walks and just kind of shouting at God. Now, he does it respectively, I'm sure, but he asks God the hard questions and lets him know about his own hurts and his his own heartaches. But this brings me to some really good news. You see, even when we're shouting, even when we're doubting, God still loves us. It's not that he thinks our doubts are wonderful. It's just that he knows what we're made of. I mean, Jesus didn't love it when Thomas had doubts, but he still loved him. I'm sure Jesus would have rather had Thomas remember his promises and accept the sworn testimony like the other disciples, but he didn't. And at that moment, as Thomas struggles to believe, Jesus is very gentle with him. The news gets even better. According to the Bible, there is coming a time when God will step into the galactic courtroom and take the witness stand. And at that moment, God himself will be judged. Just imagine. The Creator is willing to put himself on trial he is willing to be scrutinized by mere mortals and that takes us to the book of revelation where we find a startling description of last day events the second coming of jesus is announced in chapter 19 where it is written uh, chapter revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, Revelation 19, 11, it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. See, the Bible calls Jesus Faithful and True, and it says that the war he's been waging on sin and suffering is righteous but he doesn't just expect you to take his word for it. When we finally get to heaven, the Bible says there will come a time when God will give us the rare privilege of asking all the questions. Listen to how it's put in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne... And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now let me unpack that for you a little bit. You know, without getting into all the details, this passage talks about a special moment when we will open the books and consider the names of those who are not there in the kingdom of heaven. And at that moment, God will answer all our questions. I mean, why did it seem like he ignored our desperate prayer that day? Why did good people die on September 11th? Why has God let cancer invade this world when a simple flick of the divine finger could have wiped out every disease? At that holy moment, God will answer every question And the Bible says the books will be opened for a thousand years. Can you imagine God at that centuries-long press conference graciously telling us why he did the things he did? You'll be able to ask the toughest questions. God, why did you let my friend die? And why is it that my husband didn't make it into heaven? Why do I have so much trouble in my life? And with a single gentle smile, God will open the books and you will be able to see it for yourself. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about the desire to judge things quickly and make hasty decisions. But then he goes on to say something very interesting in verse 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. Look at what it says. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's heart. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. You see, Paul says that when Jesus comes, we are finally going to get the big picture. Not only will God answer all the questions, but all the dark secrets of this sin-scarred world will be exposed to the light of day. Now, here is one more thing to consider. The key prophetic books, Daniel and Revelation, tell us that that great judgment takes place during the, during the thousand-year period. It happens after Jesus comes, and that makes sense, you see, because there will be people, you see, who reject God at the very last moments of earth's history. And so it would be inappropriate to look at their cases when there's still hope they might choose Christ. But during the millennium, after the second coming, with Jesus by our side, we will have the opportunity to look over the cases and see what God really did and that he did everything possible to save them short of violating their own free will. And when it's over, I know we will be completely satisfied with the answers that God gives us. Now, at the close of this unique thousand-year period of reflection and judgment, as that comes to the end, at another moment that absolutely amazes me, if you've ever struggled with doubts or discouragement, if Satan has ever bombarded you with the temptation to give up on God, you need to hang on until this golden moment arrives. Listen to what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. In number they are like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves." At that somber moment, we will be able to see with our own eyes that the wicked never had any intention of repenting. God tried and tried and tried, but they simply wouldn't listen. And in the end, these people would never be happy living in the presence of a holy God. And so God puts an end to it all. All of our questions are answered. And in the end, God's people can sing the praises of God with absolute confidence. They know beyond the shadow of a doubt that every decision God has ever made was the right one. Listen to the song of the redeemed found here in Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It says, Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for the righteous acts have been revealed. For thousands of years now, we've had doubts and moments of despair, moments of discouragement. There are times... We just don't understand. We don't get it. We don't understand what a loving, all-knowing, all-feeling God is doing up there in heaven. But the glorious moment in the city of God is coming when you will finally see God face to face. And that moment will fix everything. When you see God face to face, he is going to answer all your questions. He is going to cradle you in the palm of his hand and he's going to help you see all things clearly. So let me ask you, do you have doubts? Soon you'll be face to face. Are you confused about some of the teachings in the Bible? Just hang on. Because a heartbeat from now will be face to face. Does it sometimes seem like God's followers get the worst of everything and everyone else is doing just fine? Soon we'll be face to face and we'll see that our friendship with God is really going to pay off. When you finally stand in the courts of heaven, the problems and the questions of this world are going to seem pretty insignificant. But right now, at this very moment, he is reaching out for your hand. He is asking you to trust him as he digs you out of this hopeless pit of sin. And his guarantee is, if you cling to him, you'll make it. So let me ask you, What's keeping you from responding to him right now? Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness, your kindness. And Father, I just pray that you reach out to those right now that find themselves just overwhelmed by doubt and despair and all kinds of questions, some on the verge of giving up, that they may just hang on, because soon we will be face to face with our creator, and every question of our life will be answered by none other than Jesus himself. Sustain us in that thought, I pray. Bless each and every viewer, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. On each broadcast, we have a free offer for our viewers—something for your spiritual library. And today, we have this little booklet called "God Has a Home for You." You know what it, it talks about? Us going to heaven, just like we just studied—we uh, talked about in our study—and spending that special time with God during those thousand years when God answers all our questions. And, we'd love for you to have this book. And so, uh, just in a moment, we're gonna show you some information that will uh, allow you to then request the book. Let me just say this before we, sh- we show you those, those details, Bef- uh, if you choose to call us and you get the answering service, what it means is we're getting more calls than we have volunteers. Don't panic when it's your, leave a message. But on that message, leave your name, and your mailing address enunciated properly, that makes things so much easier for us and so much quicker to get that book out to you and into your hands. So do us a favor and do that if you get uh, the answering service and not one of our volunteers, okay? So, but if you'd like to get this book, pay attention to this information you're about to hear.
1: To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at post office box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 083. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's post office box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support.
0: Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you for letting others know about our program. We want to increase, obviously, our viewership, and so uh, you can play a pivotal role in helping us do that. Uh, you can refer them to our website, l4ltv.com. This program and all of the previous programs are accessible through the website. While on their website, check out the other tabs. There's archived sermons. There are study groups if you're interested in joining a study group, uh, studying the Bible. If you want to do it individually, you know, by correspondence or online, If you can't find any resource there write to me directly bill at l4ltv.com and i'll work with you to get that set up for you you can also check out the tab that says donate today and if you feel so impressed to make a donation to help keep the ministry on the air you can do that we will send you a receipt for income tax purposes because we are a charitable organization just on that item, you know, I get a lot of folks that suggest that our primary motivation for doing this is we're making all kinds of money. Trust me, not one penny that is committed to the ministry comes to me in the form of salary or any benefits. I pastor a church, I draw a salary from that, every penny that comes into this ministry goes towards keeping the ministry afloat. Paying for the airtime, paying for the gifts, paying for the studio time. So that's, I wanted you to know that. That's very important. Remember our social media Instagram, you can follow me at Santos underscore Bill. Every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I put out a one minute devotional video. Great way to start your day. You can follow me on Twitter, Santos underscore Bill. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can like our Facebook page. You can go to SoundCloud. Look for our SoundCloud page. Download an audio version of today's program. Take it with you. You can listen to it at your convenience. Rapidly running out of time, remember to visit missionnowcanada.com. That's the humanitarian side of our ministry and the work we do overseas. Check that out. Maybe you want to come on an upcoming mission trip with us. We are all out of time. I got to go. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope we do this again real soon. God bless you till then.